0: If you're an outsider, right? If you're not somebody that follows proficient like I have for my whole life, and I know the ins and outs of every trail and who's doing what and formats. uh, But if you're an outsider, it's all confusing, right? It is confusing that they're, hey, I'm a professional bass fisher. Oh, you fish uh, major league fishing? No, I fish the Bassman. Oh, well, what's that? Like if you if you just happen to cross MLF on right. CBS or something, right? Or if you're somebody that knows Bassmaster and you're like, well, you told me you're a professional fisherman, but I don't see you at the Bassman. Like it is a confusing thing. So having one, if we could ever get there, which we won't, by the way, but that that's the second part of my answer. Uh, if you could get to one solid thing where all the best pros qualify through something to fish against each other, it would be perfect. The problem is until we have, you know, some type of sponsorship, whether it be non-endemic, some something to make that happen, these tournament organizations are all just businesses, right? Right. So, so they're of course they're going to do their own thing and have, you know, we're going to have as many as you can have because you know they're making money as long as guys are paying entry fees. So I think having a lot of them can be an issue for an outsider. Now, the other side of this is we have a ton of high school anglers now, right? Yeah. High school fishing, huge. College fishing is huge. So you have all these guys coming up and then there's nowhere for them to go. Like if you want to compete at that professional level for the big money, there there's 80 spots on the Bass Pro Tour. There's a hundred spots on the Bassmaster Elite Series. So you take all these young guys, a lot of talented guys. There's nowhere for them to go because there, it's really hard to qualify for BPT, it, and it should be. But on the Elite Series, they only bring in nine new guys, ten new guys a year. You've got to make it through these tournament trails, compete against hundreds and hundreds of anglers. So we, we tell all these kids, hey, man, get into this. Tournament fishing is a great thing. But then when they get out of college, there's nowhere for them to go. Wow. Nowhere. And we lose a lot of them, I feel like. So I think having another trail like the NPFL is a good thing for that reason. I think having, having MLF out there, having bass out there is very good for the health of the sport going forward. I'm Luke Duncan, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, If we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, For just fifteen bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint.
1: Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. At factormeals.com slash waypoint pod 50 to get 50% off. What's going on, everybody? We've got a fun podcast with you today. Luke Duncan has, has Low Budget Live. It's a podcast mostly associated with bass fishing, but Luke Duncan is a man of many talents. He is a songwriter. He has fished on the FLW Tour, and now he has a very popular podcast called Low Budget Live and uh, some other things, YouTube projects and other things. Uh, fun guy, man. We had a really good time talking on this one. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you do... It would be awesome if you could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. The review is also important. If you don't know what to to write, maybe if you like this episode, just write that you like the episode Luke Duncan. I don't know. Whatever you want to write would be awesome. And if you want to get on the inner circle, that is where I will uh, ask you guys questions for uh, show suggestions. You can ask me questions about fishing. I I give a lot of guide referrals there, all kinds of... uh, Information is exchanged on this platform and it's the text. It's area code 305-930-7346. Text the word team, T-E-A-M, team to that and you'll be added to the inner circle. You'll be the first to get uh, notified of anything new, any kind of thing that's going on. Uh, that's the first place that I do it. So I hope you'll join that. That'll be awesome. And now stay tuned for this fun and awesome episode with Luke Duncan of Low Budget Live. Luke Duncan, my man, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, sir? I'm awesome. I'm doing great. I'm uh, admiring that John Prine poster behind you. <laughs>
0: It, it is uh, something to behold. My dad actually got me that for Christmas last year. That was a it uh, was a Christmas gift from my pops. Right on. Uh, so
1: you're a big John Prine fan? Absolutely, man. Since yes. I was a kid. Me too. I listened to him all yeah. growing up, and and just loved him. I got to see him a few times. Um, sad to see him go.
0: No doubt. For no sure. doubt. I actually got to see him. My wife and I went to see him on New Year's Eve. Going from 19 to 20. So into the dreaded 2020 when we lost John, I got to see him. We got to ring in the new year with him. So really ring the so, new yeah. year. Yeah. Well, I saw yeah. him just
1: a little bit before that. He was at Bonneroo. Uh, yeah. At, at 19, I think. Is that yeah? 18? Yeah, I believe I he,
0: was. he was. He was there. nineteen, I think. Yeah. yeah.
1: He was great, man. He was he was just he just sounded great. He you could see, you know, his he had that throat thing. That's right. His throat got cut out. You could really see that. But man, he was he was up there doing it, man. He played a bunch of old songs I knew and some ones I hadn't heard of, but um, it was awesome. I mean, yeah, I just, man. I just always loved him, man. He just. Uh,
0: such a great songwriter. And I, I'm a songwriter. I've always written songs and played songs and things. So he's always been one of my heroes, man. Just simple, but just like genius at yes. the same time, you know, right. very. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. At that same Bonnaroo, that's when I got to see Sturgill Simpson. Who's. Yes. Very. Dude, forget
0: fishing podcast. Let's talk do music. a music podcast we're talk
1: together. Music. Dude. I, I am.
0: Uh, I'm obsessed, man. I uh, have been my whole life.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So I know I know that you are a songwriter and that you've written some songs, but tell me about that. How did that how did that happen for you and when did that start? Man.
0: Man, it it it's crazy. My love for fishing really started at the same time my love for songwriting did. It, it was all kind of happening when I was like eight to 10 years old it was kind of when all these things and, and it's weird because the two don't go together, you know, but it was well, like, I was very whistle, passionate. whistle and fish. No I mean, doubt. John Prine no, thought doubt. it went together. That's, right. That's <laughs> right. But for for me, man, it was, uh, they were like, they both came into my life through my dad. He was always playing like John Prine and John Hight and all these great songwriters. But I would write, Thank <laughs> you uh, poems when I was a kid, like eight, nine, 10 years old, and then started playing guitar, um, at 12 and was just piece little things together. But it's just always been, I'm just intrigued by stories. And I think that's why I like doing the podcast so much. Like I love people, you know, hearing what makes them tick and and their decisions on the water or what, you know, outside of the fish like this, this is awesome getting to know that about you. I, I just, and, and so the story behind a song was always so important to me growing up. I loved those, uh, Like the MTV Unplugs they would do, or uh, uh, growing up close to Nashville, we had a lot of Mm singer-songwriters, like the Bluebird Cafe and that kind of stuff, where you would go see these songwriters behind these massive hits or... Uh, you know, in country music and they would tell the story. And that was just always so cool to me. Like yeah. that, that that hearing where that came from and I your brain, how did you come
1: up with it's that? Really that was cool always amazing. See, it's cool to see the songwriters like when 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 uh I have a friend that I went to college with and he works for BMI and he entertains the songwriters and he has this Yeah, uh, he has this uh the Key West Songwriters Convention. You're familiar yeah. with that, right? Yeah, and so absolutely. So every time he would come in town, he's like, "Hey, man, come down and 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 I got a seat for you." You know, bring and my wife grew up with him too, so we would go down there and see him, and then we would get to see these songwriters perform their own songs, and then they would perform these other they were their own songs, but you didn't know that they wrote these songs. That's right. And then they That's would right. tell the story about what it was that. That made him write this song or why. And it was super cool. And then you listen to that song completely differently. Yes. Uh, from then on, you know, it's, yes. it's so cool. And then, like with John Prine and Sturgill Simpson, like I didn't even know that they were friends. And then I'm going mm-hmm. through the credits one time and it's like, John Prine's the songwriter on this with Sturgill Simpson. And then after John Prine died, he left Sturgill Simpson this Porsche and yep, that's and, right. and it was so cool and then he he started recording his new album in John Prine's old studio i don't i don't know and just to put those two together and to think man i grew up listening to john prine and i always had a connection with him for some reason and now i feel this connection to sturgill simpson and to know that they have a connection to one another it's like well i guess there's no i mean I guess I would I gravitate to both because that's right. You know, because of the songwriting.
0: I, I feel like in, in the mu- all the music I love is intertwined. Like like you're saying, whether you realize it or not, but then you start digging in, you're like, oh, well, so and so plays on this and they wrote with this guy. And like it's all intertwined so much, especially that Nashville right. area. Those songwriters, the good ones, they really tend to Kind of gravitate towards each other, and something that was so cool for me about Prime was the young guys. He always loved the ones that were making their mark. Whether it was Jason Isbell, you know, he took Jason. He was he was the you know a godfather for Jason's daughter. I did so cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. And and so he always gravitated to these young artists. You've seen him, you know, really. Whether it's like Hayes Carl in Texas, or he he always just. Lended an ear to those guys would write with them would always help them out. And that that's just so cool about John, you know, yeah. but I, I do all music's connected in some way. If you like somebody, there's a re- you'll love 10 more that they're friends with. You I, know? Would,
1: I would think that I could kind of see it in my mind that Sturgill Simpson goes to goes to John Prine. And he's like, uh, John, I need some help. This song isn't funny at all. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need I need you to help yeah. me make it funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or hey John, I'm probably about to make half my fan base mad with, yeah. well, <laughs> with this album, and John's yeah. like, ah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you are.
1: But I love yeah. it. Go for it, man. Yeah,
0: go for it. That's right. That that's John's that's what, Just be
1: you. That's what I like about Sturgill Simpson right now is he's one of the few people that is willing to. Put it on the line, man. He's just, do something totally different. He's just true different. to
0: himself, man. Totally it's different. He's true to himself. I love the bluegrass albums. Yeah. You know the recuts of the songs, and then but he lost a lot of people on that. Uh, the you know the rock album, the Sound and, and Fury. And, but that's my favorite, yeah, dude. It's great. It's great. It's fantastic. That's yeah, me. Like I love it. I love whether he's doing twangy country or doing that. Dude, the songs. It's like I said, the story. Those songs. If you broke them down, and he played them on just acoustic, you'd be like. Man, those, those are great songs, but the yeah. sounds throw everybody off. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I, I love I, it.
1: I loved it, man. I, yeah. I haven't listened to an album as many times uh, as I have Sound and Fury, maybe any album. I mean, I turn that one on and drive and just yeah. go. But I mean, it's been a long time since any artist has put out an album that I want to listen to from start to finish. I mean, most people it's are putting co- out singles now, you know? And, yes. And, yes. And that is a, that's almost like a, like a who kind of rock opera yes. kind of thing. That's you know? awesome. I just love yes, it. It's a work. Album. Yeah. It's you know, a it complete
0: is. work. Yeah. Start to finish. You got to listen to it. You can't just take one song. You got to listen to it. Uh, yeah. It's, I it's fantastic, so. man. So
1: tell me about, tell me about when you're eight years old and you start, you start, Playing guitar and writing poems and listening to John Prine. What's how how do you how do you develop that into like selling that song or any song at some point? When does that happen for you, man? I you know for me,
0: I I was I never looked at it. I didn't even know that that business existed, right? Like, because I I chased that for a while, the Nashville songwriter thing, and I never even knew that was a thing until I, I probably was. I would say high school age, you know, junior, senior. And I, and I, I had a friend of mine took me to, to the bluebird to actually see Nashville songwriters. And you start to realize, Oh wait, all these guys don't write their songs and this is a huge business. And, and I'm like, man, you can get paid to do this. You know, this it's <laughs> kind of like, uh, <laughs> that's you know, how I going, became a fishing
1: guide. <laughs> exactly,
0: same, same thing for me, like going to a Bassmaster weigh in, I'm like, wait a second, guys are getting paid to do this. This is crazy. Um, but, but for, for me, You know, the commercialization of it, a lot of people look at it, you know, different ways. Some people look at it as negatively, you know, that people are like, they do churn them out. You know what I mean? It's a nine to five job. They have a formula. You know, there are guys that are very good at it. I was never great at, hey, Luke, we're going to sit in this room. We're going to put you with these two guys and you got to write a song for this XYZ art. That wasn't my deal because songs for me. They just happen, right? Yeah. Like they it, it's it, it may be three months in between when I write one, you know. But if I ever just sat down and like, oh, I'm gonna write a song today, that wasn't how it worked for me. And and so it was it was very difficult. I had a publishing deal out of muscle shoals for a little while and got paid to write, but never had any big cuts or anything. You know, what's funny is like full circle with the fishing thing and then the podcast for the last four years is I play one of my songs as my intro and more people listen to my music now than ever (laughs) I played music. Like it's just crazy. So I'm actually going to release some, some new music in a couple of weeks. I've been writing again a lot and uh, really, man, it's just, it's just so much fun for me. But so I'm not trying to do it to sell, to sell anybody anything anymore. I just do it because I enjoy it or an idea pops in my head or a melody
1: um you're you're a creative it, dude man you got to have you got to have it. an outlet for your creativity you and, and and I guess that's been part part of that is the podcast and then that for sure. opens and fishing up the videos opportunity. and things yeah, yeah it opens up the opportunity for you to to start writing again so no doubt um so you are you um you were a FLW pro right Mm-hmm. And yes, So sir. how did how did that start? Like you go to that first weigh in, you're you're like, oh damn, you can be a songwriter and you can bass <laughs> fish like this. I don't know yeah. which one to do. <laughs>
0: Yes, ADD. That's my entire life in a nutshell is ADD, but um, chasing too many things at once. But
1: uh, I
0: went at an early age, I started fishing tournaments with my dad, like 10, 12 years old. He was always really into it before I was born. He stopped fishing tournaments for a while and we just, you know, we bluegill fished and and catfished and we'd go back. It was like a treat to get to go bass fishing. I always thought that was like some super, you know, high tech thing. And my dad, we would, like when we were small, we were like bobbers and stuff, you know, and then he's like, hey, we're going bass fishing. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is, this is different. So we got into that and then he's, he's telling me about these tournaments. Um, we have like these little local, you know, like fruit jar night tournament things here on the Tennessee river in the summer. And he took me to one when I was about 12 and I was like, Oh my gosh, like it just opened up my eyes. And then it started, I started kind of fanboying on the Bassmaster stuff and all that. Uh, but I actually fished my first professional event when I was 19. I I got into it really early. Um, almost qualified for what is now the Bassmaster Elite Series at 19. Missed it by two spots of so the point standings. Best thing that ever happened to me because I was not ready at mm-hmm. all. Thought I was, but I, I was not. And, you know, through a series of, of different things, I got out of proficient for a while. Went to work after I graduated college. And in 2015, I got an opportunity through a company I worked for to fish the FLW tour, they had an amateur side, then a co-angler side, and I got an opportunity to fish it. And you could qualify to fish as a pro. So dip my toes in the water in that, I did really well. I won an event that year, but I qualified to fish out of the front and jumped in, you know, head first the next year, fished for a few years, and out there living my dream, man, lo- loving it and, and doing good sometimes, not so good other times. And, and, and at the end of 2019, they got bought out. Uh, FLW was purchased by major league fishing and I decided to kind of step away from that. And I had started the podcast at that time, but, uh, but I'm back fishing some Bassmaster opens this year and, and, uh, you know, it, it's, Man, it'll always be life. It's like, all right, tournament fishing is just something that you know I, I can't shake it. Man, <laughs> it's a, a terrible
1: addiction. There's a lot going on with the bass fishing tournaments right now. I mean, you have it is you have the the MLF seemingly you know to an outsider kind of coming out of nowhere and that's right taking over like all yeah. of a sudden just. And why, in your opinion, why, why did that happen? Like, is it the format or is it that the anglers are part of the, I mean, I know Sean Grigsby was a part of it. Gary Klein was a yeah. part of that. And, uh, and, and, and so there's some ownership of those particular tournaments by the anglers. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken. Yeah, but.
0: yeah. There, there are about 12 of those guys out of the 80 that, that have some ownership in it. And, you know, I, I think things that, that, On the Bassmaster side, they didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And those guys, basically, when they made the jump, to the Bass Pro Tour, MLF Bass Pro Tour, there were no entry fees, right? We've always fished for our own money essentially, but they were only able to do that for one year and now they're back fishing for entry fees. So it, it's kind of shifting again. Bassmasters really, as long as they have the classic, I feel that they're, you know, they're, they're still going to be, that's a, that's the of bass fishing yeah. as far as tournaments are concerned. So as long as that's still there, Bassmasters still around and relevant, the elite series is rocking and rolling, but BPT, they did change things, but I don't think it was a format thing. I think, you know, uh, Shaw and Gary, some of those guys, their goal for years, man, 20 years, probably, I've heard these things of no entry fees, right? Mm -hmm. They want to, it's like the PGA tour. Why are we paying to be a professional? Like it is silly, like the entire concept. And so that's kind of where that formed and just due to whether it be, you know, sponsorship or, or whatever economy, uh, they're back paying entry fees now And I think that's why we saw this major shift because you had 50, 60 guys leave the Bassmaster release series, you know, from Kevin Van Dam, Gary, these guys, that's where they made their living for years. And they were just gone overnight. And it was, it was a crazy time, man. That was in, at the end of 2019, things have kind of leveled out now. it's, it's, you know, we've got another trail I actually commentate for called the national professional fishing league. That's out there now, just another professional trail opportunity for guys to win money. And you're doing the some guys. Some exp- yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Okay. I'm, I'm doing all day. We stream 20 hours of live coverage from each event online, uh, myself and, a and, uh, fellow pro David Dudley. Okay. You probably know of yeah, David. Yeah. He's sure. one of the all time leading money winners on the FLW side of things, but uh, he actually fishes MLF, but he and I commentate those. We've got six events this year, but uh, so it's new this year. So there's, there's a lot of things going on, man. And I, I think that uh, there's a lot of good in the, in the sport. And there's a, there's a lot of, of bad as far as just for the anglers that, like I'm saying, the entry fee thing, needs to be addressed they tried that but it's just it's really hard our industry is really small you know i mean you yeah. you you know that it's yeah. a pro fishing is not we, we all like to think it's this big you know on the bass side. oh man it's got the jerseys and the boat wrap man it, it is minute compared to other sports well you know it just yeah. it, it just is
1: yeah compared to other sports but yeah absolutely but it, it you know it professional fishing has has certainly uh had its ups and downs i mean over, no doubt. over the years being on espn and then off espn and then yeah. back on espn again and then all these different things i mean you go back to like uh alton jones i got to fish with him one time down in key west with alton and alton jr uh when when alton jr was just a kid we had terrible weather but i did manage to catch some um Some gag groupers, which was perfect for them because they were using these cinco's. He was like, "I "I don't know how we're going to catch these things, man." He's like, "I do. We're going to do this." I was like, "Okay, whatever." (laughs) It was like the coldest day in Key West history that I ended up fishing (laughs) with those guys. But he won that mega bucks tournament. You know, like that was a huge one for him. Yeah, big money. I mean, so bass fishing has had the huge money. Then it's, you know, I mean, and 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 just ups and downs. But I, I see that. It's something that people are super passionate about. There is definitely the fan base there, and uh, I don't know. I don't know where where it's headed. If if more tours means uh, dilution, and then you know people aren't as interested because you've got you know a Kevin Van Dam over here, but then you got another awesome angler over here, and they never actually compete against one another again. I don't That's know. What, what's your opinion of that? Like, is there is there too many or or could so, there be too many? I guess is the is the so, question. So are there too many?
0: I, we've got a, there's so many. And that's a, that's a, that's a loaded question, but I'm going to try my best answer. <laughs> <laughs> because so if you're an outsider, right, if you're not somebody that follows proficient, like I have for my whole life and I know the ins and outs of every trail and who's doing what in formats, uh, but if you're an outsider, it's all confusing, yeah. right? It is confusing that they're hey, I'm a professional bass fisher. Oh, you fish uh, Major League Fishing? No, I fish the Bassmaster. Oh, what's that? Like if you if you just happen across MLF on right. CBS or something, right? Or if you're somebody that knows Bassmaster and you're like, well, you told me you're a professional fisherman, but I don't see you at the Bassmaster. Like it is a confusing thing. So having one. If we could ever get there, which we won't, by the way, but that, that's the second part of my answer. Uh, if you could get to one solid thing where all the best pros qualify through something to fish against each other, it would be perfect. The problem is until we have, you know, some type of sponsorship, whether it be non-endemic, some something to make that happen. These tournament organizations are all just businesses, right? right. So, so they're of course they're going to do their own thing and have you know we're going to have as many as you can have because you know they're making money as long right. as guys are paying entry fees. Right. So I think having a lot of them can be an issue for an outsider. Now, the other side of this is we have a ton of high school anglers now, right? Yeah. High school fishing, huge. College fishing is huge. So you have all these guys coming up and then there's nowhere for them to go. Like if you want to compete at that professional level for the big money, there there's 80 spots on the Bass Pro Tour. There's a hundred spots on the Bassmaster Elite Series. So you take all these young guys, a lot of talented guys, there's nowhere for them to go because there, it's really hard to qualify for BPT it, and it should be, but on the elite series, they only bring in nine new guys, 10 new guys a year. You've mm-hmm. got to make it through these tournament trails, compete against hundreds and hundreds of anglers. So we, we tell all these kids, Hey man, get into this tournament fishing is a great thing. But then when they get out of college, there's nowhere for them to go. Wow. Nowhere. And we lose a lot of them, I feel like. So I think having another trail like the NPFL is a good thing for that reason. I think having having MLF out there, having Bass out there is very good for the health of the sport going forward. Now, from a sponsorship standpoint... Again, they're all splitting up this little pie, right? Right in the fishing world. Um, so it, it's there, there's good and there's bad. I mean, it's just, it's a wild time right now, man, in pro fishing. Like you said, we've seen like mega bucks. We've seen at one time the Forestwood Cup in FLW, which doesn't exist anymore, paid a million dollars first place to, for a guy for catching you know, 20 pounds of bat, like right. those days are, but they're, you know, they're in the past
1: now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, to but see. Maybe maybe it comes back though. Uh, hopefully yeah. man, hopefully, you know, I think it could like Absolutely. All, it, all it takes is, is, is a big sponsor that, that's sees, right. that sees that if they give a million dollars, they're going to make 20. So that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's right. That's how it works. Right. That's
0: you know? exactly right.
1: ROI. That's yeah. what it's about. Well, I never thought about like what you said you know, because you look at the high school fishing and the college fishing, you're like, man, that's awesome. There's lots of people coming up, but I never thought about, you know, what they do beyond that. Because there are lots and lots <laughs> of schools that have programs, and then, then they get out and they're competing for nine spots. I mean, that's super competitive. For- it's it's
0: tough. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not saying every, not everybody that, that fishes tournaments uh, deserves to be a pro or needs to be a pro, right? Like a professional is something you earn, you work your way up, you qualify. But that being said, there are a lot of talented, talented anglers, so many talented anglers that kill it in college. And then, There's just nothing. There's nothing for them to, you know, they have one mechanical issue in a Bassmaster Open and they don't qualify for the Elite Series. So they don't get to go on and showcase their skills and potentially make a living doing what they love. And so I I think it's It's really good to have these options out there, you know. And I I think we always will. I, I really do think as long as, because look, there's there's one thing I know about bass fishermen, and really it's all. I think Tom, you'll agree with this is all fishermen. We all we're, nothing's ever good enough, right? We're right. never satisfied. There's always a bigger one. There's always you know oh they're gonna pay us this much more money. It's it's a lot like a union in oh, a way, yeah. right? Like and so as long as somebody's like waving another carrot, hey, check this out, we're gonna do this. Oh. Guys will go there. We've seen it. The Bassmaster guys have done this before. They went to FLW when they were paying all that big money. FLW was a new tournament trail essentially in the '90s, late '90s. They all went that way. Well, then bass up their game money wise. They're like, oh, well, we're back at bass, right? You know. And so we've seen this several times, man. So I think I think these trails they're around to stay for yeah. sure.
1: That's good. I mean, it's good because it's a it's, healthy. It's cool, man. Yeah, it's good for the. It's good for the sport. And getting so many people uh, out there. I mean, this year we had. I mean, there's been anglers coming out of the woodwork because of COVID, and I'm sure you've seen it in the yes. bass world. We've certainly seen it in the fishing world, I mean, in the saltwater world uh, of just lots of new anglers, you know, and that's, that's healthy, too, if, if managed, managed properly. Um, your, your podcast, man, your podcast is awesome. And you guys have Thank a good you. time on there, and and uh, I can tell you 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 just have a good time all the time, you know. But yeah. but tell me about tell me about starting that because you started that pretty early, like I, for, I did. for podcasting. It seems like
0: yeah, about four years ago, and and man, we didn't take it, and I still don't take it as serious as I probably should. Hopefully, my sponsors all listening to this, but uh, you know, I I we started it. The name Low Budget Live. All ca- I had music equipment. I had, and I figured out how to convert some of it into podcast equipment. And we broadcast these LBLs on Instagram. We had no MacBook to record on. We weren't, they they were up for 24 hours. And we would drag this equipment to all these We're at the Bassmaster Classic backstage broadcasting with mics and everything into an iPhone (laughs) on Instagram and they were gone 24 hours later. I had one night bill dance, Jimmy Houston and Roland Martin all at a corner booth of this. And I have no record of it other than a (laughs) screenshot somebody took when they were watching it. Stupid. We did that for like a year, just, you know, as a, just for fun, right. When we're at these events. And, and finally a friend of mine, Brian Stockle, who uh, is Ike and Ellie's producer for Mm -hmm. Ike live. He called me and says, Duncan, you got to start recording. these. like, you're wasting your time. This is crazy. Like people want to go back and listen to this. I'm like, ah, all right. So I invested in some equipment, a little bit of equipment, not, not still don't have a lot. And, uh, we started recording them and I started getting more serious about doing a weekly, just, just audio podcast for iTunes and Spotify. And then in 2019, I'd started, uh, I was documenting my FLW tournaments. I had a, a friend of mine, Austin Boyd was filming those. We were kind of showing the good, the bad, the ugly behind the scenes, like where we stay, what we do, you <laughs> know, the whole thing. And so I, I got on YouTube never had done that. And in the fall, I was like, I want to start just setting up a little camera and videoing myself and throw the podcast up on YouTube. Well, man, that's when people started really paying attention to it. I had a, I had a loyal listener base, and to that, and then uh, to that moment, and then YouTube just exploded that, man, people, people really started, you know, watching and commenting, and, and uh, it's just been, it's just been a lot of fun, and there were definitely a lot of bass fishing podcasts before me, you know, the guys from iClive, Bass Talk Live, StrayCast, all those guys, good friends of mine, thank the world those guys, but there were a lot out there, but man, I think what, what helped me the most was I was just honest, you know, it was just, it, it, I didn't run from anything. There was a lot of controversial stuff going on in that 2019 time, period, like I'm saying with the split mm-hmm. and I just always spoke my mind about it. And people just seem to, to enjoy that. And you know, if you, if you're talking to me on this podcast, that's the same, you're going to, guy you're going to talk to if you run into me on the street. So right.
1: I guess you got to balance you got to be a little bit careful with sponsors <laughs> and stuff like that. When you just start oh, speaking your mind a, uh, a
0: little bit, but the sponsors came for me. I, I had, I had one StarTron, StarBright back in the beginning. Uh, We honestly, I, I got a bottle right here. We did this as a goof. We brought one of these bottles to one of our Instagram lives. And I'm like, presented by StarTron, just being funny. Right. Well, they call me and they're like, Hey, we want to start doing that. And they were sponsoring my fishing at the time. Right. I was, I was on their deal, but they're like, Hey, what we want more of that. And I'm like, what you like, you're listening to that. We're, <laughs> we're just joking. So, so th- truly i mentioned them on every show, shake a bottle at the first of the show, but most of my sponsors came. It, some of them were with me when I started, but a lot of them are newer and they reached out to me because they were fans of what I did. And that is number one thing I tell them is, is look, I'm probably going to step on your toes at some point. I hope not. But if I do, and we've had a couple situations <laughs> where they're calling and go, Hey, yeah, we got a phone call. I'm like, "All right, yeah, well, I'll tone it down. But, yes. uh, it, it just, cause it is a very small industry, you know, this. Oh, yeah. And so when I, I talk about one tournament trail or, you know, what's going on, um, uh, you know, some of my sponsors sponsor some of the tournament right. trails. Yeah, so it, it can get interesting, but I'm very grateful, man, that people are the, the people that I work with are very team Luke on everything. And it's, it's, uh, it's a blessing <laughs> to yeah. say the least because I hit record and start talking sometimes and, uh, you know, I'll listen back and go, ah, I should have said that <laughs> sometimes, I, well, not a lot, it's but also
1: the, 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 the problem of talking and recording a lot and sooner or later, <laughs> you say something that maybe you might not should have, but not yes. everybody has a microphone in front of them as much as you do, you know, like that's I mean, right. You know, you just got to be kind of careful. I would imagine. What do you think has been your, been your favorite, uh, get guest that you've had? Oh
0: man, that is, that's tough. I, I am so, uh, I'm lucky because outside of the podcast, I'm friends with a lot of these guys, yeah, right? From for either sure. fishing with them or so. So a lot of times it's just like, and I think that's what helps the podcast too, because it's like two buddies talking on right. the phone, you know? Because right. a lot of good friends of mine come on because they've been very successful, and and I'm lucky to ride their coattails um, in that regard. But man, favorite guests. So on LBL. I, I do a, I do a series called Boats and Pros where we go out in old boats and we really, we just film a, uh, basically like a life story kind of thing. And these old boats, I surprise them when I pull up with these just junky, terrible boats. And I have to say, I, not to dodge the LBL question, because I've had so many guests, I'm trying to think of my favorite one, but the Boats and Pros series though every one of those we filmed have been my favorite because it's like a deep dive more uh-huh. than I get to do on the podcast. Oh, yeah. You know, like all of those are my, are probably my favorite. And I've had all those guys on the podcast as well, but I would say the the Jason Christie who just won an elite series hit his boats and pros and his last LBL were two of my, my favorites. Cause he just gave us, Jason's a real quiet guy, real guarded. And he gave us, like he cried on boats and pros. First of all, I made him cry and I thought we might get, you know, in a fight later about that because he's a, he's a tough guy. Right. And, uh, I asked him a question and uh, about something in his family and he got emotional. It was really cool to see that emotion. But then on the podcast, man, he, he did a deep dive on a, on a technique thing that I was like, whoa. I can't believe he's actually saying this, you know, publicly. Right. And it, So those are always my favorites. I've got several of those uh, like five or six guys that when they start talking, it's almost like they say more than they realize they're saying, because yeah. behind the scene, you, you know, man, you've got secrets. You guys have little sneaky things and you hear about these things behind the scenes. Yeah. You don't get them on the YouTube videos. Right. And when they come out a little bit, I'm like, you'll see me smile. because, And I won't, I tend to not jump on it because I know that they might regret saying what they said. Right. And I hope that people might miss it. Cause I don't want to use it. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> right. But um, the funny to, thing to is catch more like about, about those little little nuggets that come out is sometimes those guys don't even know that that's the missing little piece of information. That's that everybody true. is like, yes. they do this and they do this, but how do they put those two together? Yes. And they've never spoken about it publicly, but to them, that's just like, well, of course you do that. Right. But they just, nobody's ever asked them the question like you do as a bass fisherman. That's like, but, but there's this one piece and then sometimes they'll give it freely. And, and you're just like, wow, like you just gave that out. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I've had, I've had some people get emotional on the podcast as well. And it's very interesting. Do you, do you have your guests usually, uh, have headphones? They do. Like yeah. I think, I don't know, when I first started doing this, I had the same headset that I'm wearing right now and I would give it to the guests and you could almost see them and they'd be like talking and they'd never heard their voice quite like that. And they yeah. just keep talking and they keep talking. And then the next thing you know, it's just whoosh, everything comes out. And that's why I like doing them so much better in person because you can adjust so the volume in their headset and to where it's kind of loud and they're like, wow, my voice sounds weird. <laughs> hello 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 <laughs> hello and then the next thing you know they're telling you this stuff that they've never never told anybody but those are those are some of the some of the really Oh
0: absolutely the, the ones that I get to do here at my house um in the low budget live bar and grill, as I call it, which has no grill, just pull, <laughs> pull back the There's no grill. It is a, there's a bar. I do it at a bar, but uh, there's no grill. That's what my wife always said. Why do you say bar and grill? I'm like, it's one of those idiot things that just came out of my mouth one day when I hit record oh, man, it and, now it st- and now it's stuck and people are like the LBL bar and grill. I'm like, yeah, there's, there's a sink. There's no yep. grill. Uh, but I've only been able to do especially like in 2020, you know, I mean, it was so hard. Um, I've only been able to do two or three actually in person here and they are always so good, man. They're all, it's just because it turns into that just natural conversation, set up a camera, turn to mics on. not even really any topics. You just, it, it, they're so good. I had Justin Atkins, an elite series player He lives down the road. Uh, He came up earlier this year, and it was just – it was one of my – it was one of my favorites just because I know Justin real well, and and it's like he – like you're saying, kind of let his guard down – And it was just like he and I hanging. It was, it was awesome, man.
1: So, so good. Well, you're going to, you're going to get that a lot because you know, these guys off the water and you know, you know them on a personal level and they, you know, they've already got their guard down a little bit as opposed to, you know, doing it with somebody that they've never met before. And they're like, I don't know what this, you know, everybody's a little guarded. Like, I don't know if I'm trying, if this guy's trying to get me to say something or whatever, but when I was doing all of them in person, I would always try to do something with the guest first, like either, either go fishing or work out or whatever they're into, like try to share that with them. And then they're like, okay, I see, I see what this is all about, like smart, you know, but, it, but that requires a lot of time. So I was kind of disappointed with the COVID thing and, and like having to move more to, to, to like what we're, the way we're doing it right now over zoom and stuff. But, but on the other hand, it did open and open up the guest, uh, possibilities greatly. So it's you true. Know, like I mean, I was just doing one with 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 someone from Montana just ten minutes before we we get on, and yep. then, you know you can just you can just kind of do that. But you seem to have have uh, you doing both, right? Like Zoom or or I, phone. I do.
0: I mix it in, it, and honestly, it all comes down to me. Is just kind of um, how much time I have to edit. I know that's crazy, but like phone calls are easier. Like I because I record on Sundays. I've got five kids, man. I've got full. T- I've got a million things going all the time. So I try to, uh, you know. And it also depends on the guest. I have some people that are just like they'll be driving, or right. you know, in between events. And so if it if it sets up to do Zoom in 2020 i really started utilizing it a lot more but and, and i enjoy it but uh the phone calls man for me are still i'm just old school right with the calls a lot of times well, so i mix get, i
1: mix it in you can get good stuff on on the phone calls especially with guys just driving like that's you right. got a bass pro driving from one place to another probably <laughs> kind of lonely anyway
0: that's you right know? he's going to talk
1: yeah that's a that's a man i'll tell you what i think between being a rodeo cowboy a bass pro and a, and a WWF wrestler has (laughs) got to be like the three toughest things. I mean, think about man, you're away from your family all the time. That's right. You're, You're, you just got beat up. Uh, in all three of those sports I mean you're taking a hard ass boat ride mm-hmm. across the Great lakes or something and you just got beat up for three days and now you got to get in the truck and go and I don't know I, I mean the same thing with a rodeo cowboy you just got no beat doubt. up and now you got to get in the car and go somewhere else same with a professional wrestler man even though you it, it might be fake but that doesn't mean that a 300 pound dude doesn't land on you that's right accidentally sometimes and now you got to carry that torn labrum around for the rest of the season or yep. whatever with no room to I mean all three of those sports are just just tough man it,
0: you hear guy you know the the undertaker now has retired he's done some podcasts and I, I used to love wrestling when I was a kid and you hear those guys talk about working 200 days a year I know. And, and oh yeah well that's when I tore this and did right. that and they and then they just shot me up and I went back out and like Oh, you don't have time to have surgery. Well, no, you're the undertaker. We've got WrestleMania next right. week. You're going to do it with two blown out knees. And right. we're just going to try to make it easier on you in some way. Like the, their story. It's incredible, man, but you're right. You go on to the next show.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, been, the next it's just show. like, it's just like you're talking about with bass fishing. It's gotten so competitive that there's so many people that want to do that. Uh, professional wrestling. And you've got so much talent below you that, that like, I I think I, I listened to that same podcast that you're talking about. The undertaker's, like no man you don't you don't uh you don't not show up because Mm -hmm. if you don't show up they put the next guy in there i mean even if you're like the undertaker like you gotta you gotta keep showing up even if you're you know you are compromised or whatever they'll do some other little thing but you gotta figure it out you know you gotta be there but that's the same with the bass fishing is like you were saying it's so competitive that if you have a mechanical issue and you can't fish you're you're done and that was you're the done. way it was even even in the in the redfish tournaments that we did i mean if you had one bad finish you could have maybe there's a six tournament series and you have five tournaments where you're doing you're in the top 6 or whatever and you have one where you're 75th i mean it's over you know, a guy Done. that got 10th place in everything beat you because that's you have right. that one thing that just blew you out of the water. And it's just, and it so doesn't mean
0: you're a bad angler, right? Like that, no. that's the perception I see, you know, we joke, I call it the mom's basement crowd, but on, in comments, you know, beating a guy up for having a bad tournament, but that's something I joke about. I'm like, listen, these guys put everything on the line to go do this. Just because the guy finished 70th out of a hundred doesn't mean he's a bad angler you don't know how his week went because th- there is such a fine line in professional bass fishing between 100th and winning Yes, every single week. And it could be a lost fish. It could be a mechanical issue. It could be being late for weigh in because of a mechanical, there's so many variables in you could be in the right area with the guy that wins And he simply beat you to the area first. And so you had to give it to him. I mean, so many things that can happen. So I hate when I see people really kind of pick on professional bass fishermen from from an internet comment. You know standpoint because it's like, man, these guys, oh,
1: it's a it, tough it, way to it make it easily win. go
0: the other way, and yeah. they could win 100 grand and be holding the trophy.
1: How much do you think, like, in in so many of the tournaments that we we fish in, and they're different, all, all different kinds of tournaments. We fish in a bunch of different or we have fished, I don't fish in any tournaments anymore, but we have fished in a bunch of different kinds of tournaments, whether they're bonefish tournaments or redfish or bonefish redfish or some kind of a combination of fish or a tarpon tournament. And you you get in this, and even redfish tournaments, like professional redfish tournaments. And you can get into this thing where it's like, look, I want to make the board and I don't want to get skunked. And so I'm going to fish real conservatively. I'm going to go to an area where I know I can get five fish. I'm going to go to an area where I, I know I'm going to get five fish. But then you have the other guy that swings for the fences and he's like, man, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to win or I'm going to come in last how much is that going on in, in like what you're talking about when, when you see somebody just torpedo and people are giving them a hard time and it's like, man, what you don't understand is that guy was swinging for the fence.
0: That's right. There, there are guys that do that. And, and I think the ones that are the most successful are the guys that after you get the practice period, you know, three days leading up to the event most of the time are the guys that can analyze what they found on the water and know whether, Hey, I've got a chance here this week to do something special or I need to figure out how to survive. Mm -hmm. And the guys that do that well know when to take their shots, right? They know, Hey, I've got, this is in my wheelhouse. This pattern's lining up the way I like to fish the weather, you know, whatever we're on this Lake that I like, whatever the case is. And they know whether to go through the throat or just try to make a top 50, get a check, get those points. So they can make the year end championship. The guys that, and you see it, you see a lot of young guys, that come in, maybe try to swing too hard Uh too much Uh of the time. Your veteran guys are the ones that you always see in that check line, because at the end of the day, those $10,000 checks add up you might not be winning every event there's a guy gerald swindle one of the most popular professional fishermen ever he's never won at the top level but he has two angler of the year trophies which if you ask most professional bass fishermen what matters more winning a tournament or angler of the year they're going to say angler of the year because it rewards consistency over an entire season he's won two of those he's won three or four million dollars fishing he's never won it doesn't have one of those big blue elite series trophies and a lot of people talk about this guy you know, from a cell like, oh yeah, he's not good. Are you kidding me? Like that guy's in the check line every week. That no matter how many no. events, he, he's going to be
1: there, and, and like he's that, been there for twenty years. Like, absolutely long longevity.
0: Time. Yes, and that's so that's so hard to do too, right? So I think you know, a guy like I would always take that consistent career for me. That's always the I'm like, man, the guy that can just show up no matter where they drop him out of a helicopter. He's gonna find five bass. That's cool to me. Yeah. Besides, besides the big heavy hitter guy that's weighing the big ones, that's that's fine too. But the guy that's just like always figures out a seasonal pattern. so cool to me. He's gonna always be
1: there, and that, yes. that is that is really really um, that's quite a skill in itself. Is like you're gonna not only figure out where they are, but you're gonna come in with some respectable fish, and and you're gonna have a top twenty, top ten, top <laughs> yes. something, and and you may not you may not win, but then you have the other guys like a, like, you know, somebody that's winning a lot, like Jordan. Jordan Yes. Like what's that? Jacob Wheeler. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, Brandon yeah, yeah. all of those names, like those are some young, tough to beat guys (laughs) that seem to always be there. And like, I grew up in Tennessee and I always wanted to be a a professional bass fisherman. I thought that's what I would, I thought that was my, my thing. But then, you know, I've, learned about fly fishing, got interested in that, and then learned about saltwater fishing. And now I just watch from the sidelines on the bass fishing. <laughs> but but you got to, I mean, I, you know, whatever you say about tarpon fishing or permit fish or bone fishing, man, I have so much respect for those guys that are doing that because just with my short stint in professional red fishing and then the other tournaments that we've done in Florida, I it's so hard. It is so hard hard to be consistent in those things. And then you see somebody like a Kevin Van Dam or Jordan Lee or Jacob Wheeler or Brandon Polinick. and they're like, not only are they consistent, but like it's, it's happening for them. Like they are making it happen. And even when things go wrong, like what was it when, uh, Jordan, um, his trolling motor broke, or something broke, and he's like, "Well, I'll just fish here." And he ends up, he ends <laughs> up doing class, great. Yeah. yeah, in the that was his first, yeah, his motor went out, I and mean, he fished a, the same. It, that's that's a winner. That's a winner, right there. Well, and,
0: and it's and, and you know this term well. He's a fishy dude, right? Yeah, like he's got sure. gills. Like he's Absolutely. just always around. I've known Jordan since he was a kid, and it's like. He's just always around. He just falls into him all the time. And he's like all shucks about it. But that guy's a stone cold killer. Yeah. Like if he shows up at the ramp and you're in a tournament, you're like, oh
1: no. Oh no. <laughs>
0: like you just and it's the same with Wheeler. Like all these guys, and they're they're I say I say this a lot on the podcast. They're obsessed. It's not they're competitive. They're more competitive than you. They're better. At, they're obsessed with bass fishing. When they're not in a tournament, you know what they're doing? They're bass fishing. That's what they do mm-hmm. on their off days. They bass fish. They work on the things. Oh, I might not be good at this technique. They'll go spend seven days straight. daylight to dark getting better at it. And then the next tournament, they beat you with it mm-hmm. because they're obsessed with catching and figuring out bass, man. And you have to be, you have to love it take the sponsor stuff aside, the business part. And they're good at that too, right? Sure. That's what makes them dangerous. Like Jacob and Brandon are two of the best on the business side of it. Social media, video, like these guys just kill it. And they beat your brains out on the water, (laughs) but you have, you have to love it, man. Like you have to be, and it's the same with you in the, in the salt world, which by the way, Every bass fisherman wants to be a saltwater guy. And I think every (laughs) saltwater guy wants to be a bass guy. I swear, (laughs) Carter Andrews told me that one time he said, buddy, I wanted to be a bass pro growing up. And I'm like, you've got the coolest life of anybody I know. Why do you want that?
1: No, He like, he, uh, he definitely does. I mean, that's not something <laughs> that he just told you. He told me that 20 years ago when we were guys so in, in Jackson Hole together. He's like, this fly fishing's okay, <laughs> but I'd really like to be bass fishing right now.
0: I want to be smallmouth fishing <laughs> somewhere.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. and he learned that there were smallmouth in Idaho and he goes up Yes, there he did. Wax them, man.
0: Yes, he does. He's promised me a trip to that lake a few times and I'm begging uh at this point so again Carter publicly I'm calling you out once again yeah well, I've done that several times he'll he'll, he'll probably take you he'll, it, he'll come through Carter's again I've been I've got to spend some time in the boat with Carter and I hope to get to do the same with you at some yeah, point man sure. I, I've, I've respected you guys for so long I'm always Tennessee boy watching the saltwater stuff man always oh, just actually
1: love it me and me and Carter are both Tennessee boys too that what part around, of Tennessee he, I grew up in Chattanooga
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. so Carter
1: grew up in Nashville, and uh, my wife's from Nashville, right down the street from Bluebird okay. Cafe is where she, yeah. she grew up, right there in that Green Hills cool. area. Okay. So So, uh, I mean, I think that certainly Carter and I cut our teeth on bass fishing, and then the funny for thing sure. about both of us is that we went out and, and found ourselves in the same place in Jackson, Wyoming. He was working for Never knew I was working for Bressler Outfitters. We were guiding at the same time in those places, and then... Uh, separated and then came back together to fish a bunch of the tournaments uh, with him and Heidi we fished the redbone tournaments in yeah. the Keys. we fished the mad fin together and then uh you know now he's he's a, a florida guy but he was uh he was you know all over <laughs> right. the place i mean he's got a great he's had a great career and a great life he's got a great show now and but he you know carter's a guy that that uh he loves fishing like he truly mad- loves it obsessed. like when you, when you yeah, go fishing that- with him it's not like Oh, uh, you know, like this is how we do it or whatever. He's he's just all in. I mean, the last time that I actually went fishing with Carter, I think he invited me up to his his dad's lake in Nashville. And we were catching these little um probably 15 inch bass. And he was excited. He both of us were as excited as if we were, you know, catching tarpon or or yeah. sailfish or whatever. I mean, it's just it's just cool. You know, some people just like fishing. Like
0: they just web. love, they love it, man. And I, I've been fortunate when I've gone with him, people have asked me, what's it like going with Carter? And I find this with a lot of guys, I'm sure you're the exact same way to share a boat with. I'm that I'm this way. It's not, dude, it's all business. Like I have fun, but I want to catch them. Like right. I like, and he's like that, you know, I'm thinking, Oh, I'm God here. We're gonna, yeah, it's we're gonna have a good time, dude. He is so intense. <laughs> From the time the boat leaves the dock to the time you get back, Carter is on it. Dude. Yeah. And uh, I lost an absolute monster African Pompano with him two summers ago. And we were filming it, and they had shown up the week before. He goes, man, we never get to do this. We're going to go out and do it. We caught a couple of sailfish on on this, one of these wrecks off of Vero, off Fort Pierce. And, but these African Papano, he goes, man, I'm going to take you to this spot. And I hooked one. He said it was the biggest one he'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And a shark got behind it. And I I normally wear like deck boots in the boat. And, and I was wearing flip-flops this day. (laughs) And he told me to not wear flip-flops in his boat. And as I was getting in, I was like, dude, I left my boots at the house. I'm sorry. I wore them on day two, but day one, I'm fighting this big Pompano run around. He goes, it's got a shark. you got, you've got to get it up here. Like he's going crazy sharks after it. My flip-flop, bends like this, <laughs> I trip a little bit, get sharked. He went bananas on me. <laughs> like we just lost a million dollars in a bat. Like I would have in a bass tournament, right? right. He's go, are you kidding me right now? It's the biggest African Pompano I've ever seen. I told you not to wear those damn flip-flops. Just, and I'm like, I'm like a little kid. Yes, sir. So you yes, know sir. what? I'm- you
1: know what you get Carter for Christmas, right? A pair flip of flip lops. flops. Yeah. <laughs> you get him a you get him a cheap pair of flip flops, one of those that you get at the CVS, you know, for like ninety-nine yeah. cents. Send that's him right. a pair of those every Christmas <laughs> from now on, you know, just on auto ship. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> just so he'll never forget. He would
0: appreciate it. Oh, he, yeah, would appreciate
1: he would appreciate it. He would. He, would. <laughs> he he'll think it's funny in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you do much saltwater fishing?
0: I do, man. I, I mm. not not near as much as I want to, but I'm, I'm fortunate. My dad and I uh, we we have a, a place in Orange Beach, Alabama. So okay. I go down there. We do, you know, we red snapper fishing stuff. But I love. I'm obsessed with redfish mm. inshore sight fishing. Like I love to go to Apalachicola. Um, one of my favorite places on planet Earth. I discovered it a couple of years ago. Apalachicola Bay is just like this pristine. Like I just, I just love that fishery. Like to go to Venice and and do that stuff. But I, man, I, I get to go five or six times a year. Nothing nice. like I want to, but I, I love love the opportunity and man i like i said the last time i was down with carter getting to do like five days of it in a row with him was like you know dream come true targeting different species from snook to sailfish you know yeah. over like five days was just i'll when. tell you what
1: man you got some endurance if you can keep up with carter andrews for five Dude, days
0: let's wh- five days eight <laughs> and nights
1: i <laughs> see i'm out i was 8 30 i'm like night carter <laughs> i don't know what's now, gonna go on after i leave but i'm gone yeah I'm yeah. not even going to uh, so, attempt. It's like so, it's like uh, trying to box with you know Mike Tyson. You don't. That's right. You know where the limit is. You know where the line is. Yes. You just don't even. You go got to bail at some point. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's time to spar. Indeed. I'm out.
0: <laughs> yes. That, that man, he's a pirate dude. Yeah. That, that man is a pirate. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I get to go some, you know, I, I, I enjoy saltwater stuff. I've got a bucket list of saltwater species like everybody else does. And I'm trying to go through it in life. You know, I make an attempt to knock one off every year and, and uh you know,
1: still no telling where I'm headed this year. Yeah. So yeah. what, what do you think the plans are for your podcast?
0: Man, you know, I, I really, I want to, I want to keep, growing that's why I talked to talk to friends talk to my wife about that a lot a lot you know I I really like like talking to you about saltwater about music all like I have so many interests and and things that I just I just love that that's that's where I would like to see it go you know in the future is to be able to because right now it is it's a it's a solid solid bass fishing crowd right and You know, they don't always want to hear about, cause I've had, I have salt guests on, I have, I have people that I'm interested in on obviously, and they don't always want to hear that. And they let you know that. Trust right. me, <laughs> trust me, my listener base will let you know in the comments, uh, they, they speak their mind, the low lifers, as we refer to them. But, uh, Man, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to start doing more shows a week. You know, at some point, I just do one a week now. And I'd like to see it where I could pull off doing two to three and have multiple guests outside of the bass fishing worlds. Yeah. where I'd like to see it end up one of these days, Honey, you know, Maybe. hunting, saltwater music, you know, whatever, just yeah. lots of different guests. Maybe
1: you just started a, a separate show, you know, and, and, and yeah. don't, don't try to get the, uh, you know, don't try to get the bass fishermen to, 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 you know, listen to somebody that they're not interested in, just keep that ball true. and then just start another one that's like just yeah. whatever you like. You know, yeah, no doubt. But you no gotta, doubt. you do have a lot of interests. Like the music thing is is really cool Um, because that's got to that's got to open up a, a tremendous amount of of guests for you right there. I mean, being no close doubt. to Nashville and kind of being a little bit of an insider there. You got to, when you have Sturgill on, I'll, I'll be there Ugh, too. Listen, you know, he Fiber likes to fish. Off, oh, listen, I dude, he likes to I fish. Know. I know. I, know. I, I, I heard him talking on a, there was a podcast he did with um, Ruben, uh, Rick Ruben. Right? Oh yeah. And he did this podcast with him and he was like, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, mostly all summer I've just been fishing. And I was like, that's it. That's my end. I'm getting Sturgill Simpson yeah. on either the show or the podcast one way or another. Um- yeah. Yeah, he'd probably he probably want to go. He'd probably like to I would
0: I would think so, man. There there are so many uh so many of those guys. I mean, everybody loves to fish at some point or another. They've got a memory tied to fishing. You can yeah. you can definitely get in to talk to some songwriters and musicians about
1: fishing, that's yeah, for sure. For sure. There's there's a ton of them that like it. You know, I like the UFC a whole bunch and I've been able to connect yeah. with a bunch of those guys. I've seen uh, that. That's awesome. Just, just through fishing. You know, you you figure out like Clay Guida, he loves to fish. It's like I wonder if he'd want to go fishing. Uh yeah, sure sure he would he'd love it very cool that's all that's <laughs> but, I saw that it was very cool yeah it was fun it was fun it's always fun to you know i've been watching him on tv forever so i was kind of like the fanboy kind of kind of deal but but uh he turns out he's a good fisherman man he yes. likes to fish he moved very down cool. to florida just so he could do some more fishing and I don't know. it's kind of a fun thing with the podcast you get to open that up and talk to somebody like that for an extended period of time like you're talking about the 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 boat um boats and pros yeah, and you get to go out there and go do a deep dive with somebody and you might not get to ever talk to that person like that, even if he's That's a friend, right. you know? So is that, um, video or audio or both? It's, it's video. So it's a,
0: it's a overly produced video too. So I, I, we started doing that late 2019 into 2020 and have a film one this year between the NPFL and everything else I've got going. We, we, haven't and i hear about it a lot from people that only subscribe to my youtube channel because of those but we filmed six last year i believe the goal was to do 12 but with covid we had to like we were like cut um you know right in the middle of it and we got a couple more filmed in the fall but uh gonna start filming some very soon got some guys lined up and and it's so much fun man it's just
1: how did you get the idea to show up in a beater boat well i'll be honest super pros
0: so I'll be honest. I, I am a huge fan of Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians and Cars Getting okay. Coffee. Okay. Right. Like huge fan. So full disclosure admission right there. And I loved like the goofy music and I loved the fact that he just pulled in Now he's not in beaters. He's in like super cool, you know, cars, but I love the way that was filmed. And uh, and I watched all of them, like all of them on YouTube, all of them on Netflix. And so I, I was like, man, it would be cool if somebody did something in a bass boat. And I was thinking where you go out with a pro in his boat, right? He's got his sponsor boat and all that and talk and it's something along those lines. And I thought, what if you just went in the junkiest, like, and listen, a buddy of mine, I've got a, a dealer, uh, boat dealer friend here at home that he, he keeps some great youth stuff and man, he's been my facilitator <laughs> on that. But, uh, but yeah, we just, that idea popped up and, and, uh, Started knocking it out, dude. It was it was an absolute blast filming those.
1: Well, you take a guy. I mean, it's an interesting idea because you take a guy that's got every single gadget known to man, <laughs> right? Like they they're they're showing up at his house with on, on pallets, like every electronic, every yeah, you name it, everything, 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 every lure. Now you're like, okay, you can bring one little bag and uh or actually don't bring anything i got everything that we need it's going to be one little tiny bag and and two two rods and we're going to go out here and 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 you're going to use this trolling motor that sounds like a coffee grinder and uh and do it the way that most of the rest of have to do it. That's right. That's right. That's a great concept. That's fun, man. That's a great concept. Well, um, man, it's been great talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. Absolutely, man. We'll we'll definitely see if we can get together and go fishing. Yeah,
0: Definitely. And an LBL. We've got to do an LBL. It'd be right an on, honor, man.
1: You let me know. You let Absolutely. me know. We'll do it. Um, so let everybody know how they can find all your stuff. You got tons of stuff,
0: tons of stuff. Luke Duncan's traveling circus is the YouTube channel where all the insanity happens I fishing videos, boats and pros, low budget live, of course, every Monday. And then on Spotify, iTunes. All that good stuff where podcasts are found. And then uh, Luke Duncan on Instagram and Facebook. I'm on there acting a fool sometimes as well. So <laughs> thank, thank you so much for having me, Tom. Hey, I thanks, really appreciate man. it. Man. I
1: appreciate it too. It's fun to talk the music part. I like that.
0: Absolutely, dude. We're going to get into more of that on the yeah, I'll, LBL. See, Trust you. I'll me. see you at
1: Bonnaroo. I'll have, yes. a, I'm going, I've got, go. i got an RV. I still have my tickets from last year. That was one. That's a thing that uh, surprisingly that I do with my daughter. Um, yeah, who, she's 17 now. So I've taken her when she was 16 and 15 and 14 and 13. And, uh, it's just a, it's just an awesome thing to do. We see it's an we see awesome all these uh, with your people kids, that man. we've wanted to see and and it's a cool crowd, you know. I mean I've been to other This year's festival. lineup is
0: killer too, dude. Yeah, killer I'm lineup. To it. yeah, yeah, it's gonna be well, fun.
1: Uh maybe we will pull up we'll, no, we'll no. pull up at the same place. We'll do some camping. Perfect. All right. Sounds like a plan. Sounds good, man. Well thank you. Thank you, Tom. Luke. We'll talk to you. Appreciate later. you, man. See absolutely. Ya. See ya.